Welcome to the Mariners Cast, presented to you by Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. Ooh, Mariners, your first place team in the American League West, one game on top of both the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros, nine and one in their last 10. The Mariners have won 24 of their last 30 and are 74 and 56. You heard that right. Sole possession of first place in the American League West. On today's Mariners cast, we will recap uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday's game. The Mariners swept the Royals uh, 3-0 in this series. The team looks right. We'll talk about why. Uh, We'll talk about who's carrying the team. We'll run down uh, the games that the Mariners have left, what I think might happen with those games left, some of the teams who might be out of the race and rolling over. And then uh, if we have time, we'll dig into the upcoming series with the Oakland Athletics. Uh, The Mariners have three games against the A's at home and uh, tonight's pitching matchup, which is Brian Wu against uh, Kyle Mueller. So Friday night, packed house, Mariners win 7-5, really fun game, absolutely electric atmosphere. Uh, The pitching matchup for Friday night was uh, Brady Singer against Bryce Miller. Singer had um, really locked up the Mariners uh, in Kansas City in his uh, last start against the Mariners. That was two starts ago for Singer. And Miller was on quite a roll. Uh, The Mariners scored two in the first uh, and then went down to Kansas City 3-2 in KC's second inning. Uh, They scored the three runs against Bryce Miller. Miller ends up going four innings, six hits, three runs, one walk, six strikeouts. I think he got a little unlucky in the second. Uh, There was a single off the bat of Nelson Velasquez with two on that dropped in front of Taylor Hernandez. I think... uh, his jump wasn't great on this ball. It was one of those that I think he could have caught. And then Miller tried to uh, pick off a runner on first. And that ball got past Ty France, allowing MJ Melendez to score. And he gave up a RBI single to Kyle, Kyle Isbell. Um, that was, you know, it was a, a softly hit ball. So not concerned about Miller's outing. Obviously, you you would like to see five, six innings from him. Not a horrible outing in my mind. Uh, Again, got a little bit unlucky on a couple of balls. That's baseball, right? Isaiah Campbell came in, followed by Gabe Spire. Uh, Matt Brash pitched in the seventh. Uh, Brash didn't look great. He gave up a bomb to Kyle Isbell. He ended up going just two-thirds of an inning, three hits, two runs, one strikeout. Um, You know, the Mariners kept him out for quite a while, the last week or so. Uh, when when asked, both uh, Scott Service and Matt Brass said that there really wasn't anything wrong. They just wanted to give him some rest, given uh, given his his usage up to this point in the season. To me, he looks there's something up. I don't know if it's physical or mental, but there's something going on. The velocity on the fastball was fine in this outing. He averaged 98. Yearly average is 98.1. That's fine. His spin was up uh, slightly on the fastball. 
the slider was down about a mile an hour and it was down a uh, hundred RPMs. Um, he didn't, maybe he doesn't quite have the feel for it right now, but there was something going on with that. And then he only got two swings on or two misses on 15 swings. That's a 13% whiff rate. That's very unlike Matt Brash as well. So there's something going on. The Mariners are hesitating to use him. I don't know what that is. Uh, thankfully the Mariners print great relievers. And so uh, missing Matt Brash in this series against the Royals was not a huge deal, but it's something to keep an eye on. I tend to look at uh, velocity and spin to look for injury is kind of the most obvious one to see, but there's something with his pitch feel. There's something going on with Brash where he's not quite locked in yet. So he gave up a couple of runs in the seventh. Uh, Scott Service brought in uh, Taylor Saucedo for a third of an inning. He got out of that inning. Justin Topa pitched a uh, scoreless eighth. And then Andres Munoz made it interesting with a hit and two walks, but ended up closing the door on the Royals uh, 7-5. Offensively, the offense went pretty nuts, um, even though they scored seven only seven runs with 16 hits, two walks, uh, a leadoff home run on the first pitch from Brady Singer to J.P. Crawford kind of set the tone for this game and the series. I love Crawford leading off. I know Julio did a great job, but J.P. is has proven to be a great leadoff hitter. His on-base percentage now is at... Um, Sorry, as of Friday's game, it was 382. It's still at 382 going into Monday. Uh, that's, I believe, still third in the American League, if you can believe that. But just setting the tone on that first pitch home run just got the party started. And he ended up going three for four with three runs and an RBI. Uh, Julio, two for four. Gino went three for five with three RBIs. Cal Raleigh went three for five. Uh, Dominic Canzone went two for four with two runs. Canzone's a hitter. Uh, I love him as a hitter. I still cannot stand him as a fielder. I know he made a great diving play later on in this series. That was the Jim Edmonds style uh, diving play in my mind, which is where you are not quite as fast as most outfielders. Maybe your jump wasn't great. And so you ended up having to dive to make a spectacular catch on a ball that may have been caught by someone else. That's that's my quick synopsis of Canzone and his range in the outfield. He did throw a runner out at home, I believe, on Sunday, but not an outfielder for me. But the offense looked nice. Even Josh Rojas, um, he's one for fourth in RBI, but that single was off a left-handed reliever. And that is, you know, if you don't have to pinch hit for Rojas or Cade Marlowe, who hit a home run off a lefty later on in the series all the time it you give the it gives the Mariners a bit more flexibility in their roster build knowing that Rojas isn't an automatic out against lefties or Marlowe isn't an automatic out against lefties the single was a nice it was a nice at bat um give him a lot of credit for that so offensively again Mariners 16 hits um score 7 runs win this game 7-5 uh, Bryce Miller was looked okay, didn't look great. Um, got a lot of uh, got a lot of of help from his uh, relief pitchers in this game. Miller only threw seven sinkers in this game. On in his last outing against the Astros, he threw twenty seven sinkers and twenty nine fastballs. He pitched really well in that game. 
On Friday, he threw seven sinkers and 46 fastballs. So, again, I know that the Mariners really do change up their pitch mix against the Astros. It's something you see all the time now. Um, but the sinker looked good for Miller. I don't know if he didn't have a feel for it in this game or was just knowing that the the Royals are so swing happy, just decided to stick with the four-seamer. But I would have liked to have seen more sinkers. I really liked that pitch from him. Um I gave his, or I, in my notes, I said he gave up runs on dumb poop, if you want to call it that. And that is velocity and spin were fine. He did get 14 whiffs on 36 four-seam fastball swings. That's 39%. Um, that's really nice, specifically on a four-seamer. Uh, 30% total. The only other whiff was on a slider. We talked about Brash earlier. I'm continuing to look, watch Andres Munoz's spin and his velocity. I still don't think he's right. His velocity on Friday night was up. His spin was up. He only got two whiffs on 12 swings. That's 17%. Um, the other interesting thing is he threw eight, eight sinkers of his 26 pitches thrown. Uh, he introduced the sinker, I believe the first game where he threw the sinker was against the Twins about a little over a month ago. Um, I know that it's an effective pitch. I get I get the the pitch mix or the pitch design, giving him a second pitch to throw. Um, I wonder if that is messing with his arm at all. And I also wonder why he needs it, given how effective he's been. Um, anyways, in this game, he threw eight of them. He ended up getting the save. He didn't pitch as well as he did in the next game. So Saturday was a 110 start. It was Logan Gilbert against Jordan Lyles. Mariners had a huge Pitching advantage coming into this game, and it showed. Uh, Mariners went off. 15 runs, 13 hits, 7 homers, which is which tied the Mariners club record, 7 walks. They just blew the doors off, off of Jordan Lyles and the Royals in this game. Taylor Hernandez, 2 for 5, 6 RBIs and a grand slam. Um, he went nuts. Cal Raleigh, 2 for 3 with the homer. Julio Rodriguez won for three with the homer. J.P. Crawford had a home run. Mike Ford had a home run. They just went bananas. And um, it looked like a Little League game. Uh, Logan Gilbert was outstanding. Two hits on in seven innings. One run, one walk, seven strikeouts. He moves to 12-5 and five with a 3.66 ERA. He had really good stuff. His fastball was up almost a mile an hour over his yearly average. Uh, the spin was up on the right pitches, meaning his four-seamer, his slider, his knuckle curve were all up, slider up 147 RPMs. And the splitter spin was down, which is what you want. You want that ball to tumble. Um, so he had his good stuff in this game for sure. Eight whiffs on 20 slider swings, four whiffs on six splitter swings. So swing and miss on the secondaries uh, and used his fastball to pitch to contact quite a bit against a very swing-happy team in the Royals. Just Gilbert dominated. Um, this was prime Logan Gilbert when you can get seven innings from him like this. Uh, I don't know if he was amped up, if it was because it was a day game, because it was warm, whatever the case is, his arm looked great. His spin and his velocity looked great. And then uh, Luke Weaver came in for his second outing for the Mariners. Uh, he did give up a run on two hits. He pitched an inning. The thing that I looked for the most with Weaver was um, comparing his 
pitch usage and pitch mix on Saturday versus uh, the game when he pitched against the White Sox, I believe on Thursday. And sure enough, I almost said sure as poop. I shouldn't say that on the Mariners cast. Uh, he has completely ditched the slider and the curveball that he was using when he was a red. Um, so he's gone exclusively cutter, four-seamer, change, sweeper. He changed the mix a little bit in this game. He threw more four-seamers and cutters in the first game. He threw more cutters than four-seamers. But it's clear that the Mariners said, okay, you're going to scrap the slider and the curveball, and you're going to throw these other four pitches. And I know it's not this simple, but I also don't understand why teams continue to push or allow pitchers to throw pitches that are not um, not successful. They're not good pitches. So the slider, I wanted to know uh, statistically how were Luke Weaver's slider and curveball versus the other pitches before the Mariners acquired him. And of course, the slider he was using 13% of the time, primarily against righties, 87 miles an hour, 377 average, 679 slug, and a 16% whiff on a slider, which is supposed to be a whiff-heavy pitch, or is typically a whiff-heavy pitch uh, for most pitchers. His curveball, 13% of the time, mostly against lefties, 82 miles an hour, 209 average, okay, great, 605 slug, and a 307 expected batting average against the curveball, and a 20% whiff rate, which is also low for a breaking ball. So two pitches, low whiff rate, high slug, high batting average, whereas the four-seamer has a 17% whiff rate, but four-seamers you don't expect to have high whiff rates unless it's an elite uh, four-seamer with spin, kind of like uh, Bryce Miller. But his cutter, 32% whiff rate, sweeper, 31%, change-up, 30%. So they took the higher whiff rate pitches, the more effective pitches, kept those, got rid of the other two, and moved on. I'm sure they changed, you know, the grip or something with Luke Weaver. It's not just a matter of getting rid of pitches, but it seems pretty elementary to me. And the Mariners now have another good arm. So Weaver pitched the one inning. Uh, Thornton came in and pitched one inning, one hit, one walk, three strikeouts. He looked good. Again, Mariners went 15-2, club record, seven home runs, tons of great signs from the hitting. Um, home runs from Rojas, Ford, two from Teo, Cal Raleigh, uh, Cade Marlowe, Alpha Lefty, Julio Rodriguez had a home run. They just they blew the doors off the Royals or beat the brakes off the Royals, as my buddy Jason Collette would say. Uh, game three was a more of a pitching duel. Mariners win 3-2. Luis Castillo against Alec Marsh. Um, Mariners offense again carried by Julio Rodriguez and Teoscar Hernandez. Both hit home runs. Uh but the, really, the story of this game was the pitching and specifically Luis Castillo. He went seven innings, one hit, one walk, six strikeouts. He goes to 11-7 and seven with a 3.01 ERA. And it was really, it was just Luis Castillo going out there and saying, you can't hit my stuff. I'm filling up the zone. If you get, get the bat on the ball, that's fine. I don't believe you're, you can hit my stuff. Um 
for and do damage. And he just came out and threw strikes. 65 pitches or 95 pitches, 65 of them were strikes. He trusted his stuff. It was kind of like when he threw 47 straight fastballs against the White Sox, right? Um, he just challenged him. And his stuff was fine. The velocity was down slightly on everything, but nothing to worry about. 0.2 miles an hour, 0.1 miles an hour. His spin was down a little bit as well. Again, nothing to worry about. And he knew he was going against a poor offense. Uh, he got 16 whiffs on 50 swings. That's 32%. Um, but got great results. Elite arm, top 10 starter, starting pitcher in baseball against a poor offense, pitching at home, good defense behind him. I think he came into the game knowing I'm, I'm throwing strikes, I'm filling up the zone, I'm not trying to go out there and blow everybody away because I know, I know I'm better than you. Um, loved it. Gabe Spire came in, gave up a home run, uh, third of an inning, three hits, two runs. Not worried about him either. He's been pitching really well. Justin Topa picked up a hold, two-thirds of an inning, one hit, two strikeouts. But he got Salvador Perez, who's been killing the Mariners, um, on a changeup that was just nasty. Uh, moving in towards, you know, toward, or, or running in towards Salvador Perez's feet. He had just, it was an 0-2 count. Salvi had fouled off a bunch of pitches. He had just thrown him a 97-mile-an-hour sinker. And he came back with the change at 88. Um, so nine mile an hour difference ball that's just darting towards his feet. But Topa looks nasty. Um, I know people have been calling for Justin Topa to be in higher leverage situations. I think the right. Um, he just gives another option and another look because he's sinker, slider, cutter, um, change up. It gives a really different look out of the bullpen. So Topa looked great. And then... Andres Munoz came in and one inning, three strikeouts. What was different about Munoz? He didn't throw any sinkers. It was 11 fastballs, three sliders. Come and get me. Uh, fastball was down 0.9 miles an hour. Slider down 0.8. Spin was about normal. But the reality is I don't think he needs anything else. I think the fastball slider mix, let him focus on those. Let him find the feel and command of those two. I don't know that he needs the sinker. I I will wonder if we see that sinker um, moving forward from him. He also got five whiffs on seven swings off the fastball. So clearly the fastball was working. So Mariners win Sunday 3-2, sweep the Royals, three games to none. Um, again, pitching looked great. Not worried about Bryce Miller. Got a little bit unlucky on Friday night. Castillo and Gilbert were lights out. Uh, bullpen looked good. I do want to keep an eye on Matt Brash a little bit. I want to see what's going on. Uh, the Luke Weaver story is pretty cool. You got the Mariners acquired him with a with a with some tweaks in mind, and we've seen good results from him. Honestly, the the team is just right. The team feels right currently. You got an offense that's being carried by. Julio, Teoscar Hernandez, in a lot of ways, J.P. Crawford getting on base in front of them. And you know the pitching is lights out. A team with lights out pitching and good defense doesn't necessarily need an outstanding offense to win a World Series. And yet the Mariners have have scored the ninth most runs per game in baseball. 
you're talking about now a top third offense in baseball after Sunday. And it's being carried, like I said, right now by J.P. Julio and Teoscar Hernandez. On this series, Hernandez 5 for 13, 4 runs, 7 RBIs, a double, and 3 homers. 5 for 13 with 3 homers. He is now hitting on the season 262, 307, 452 with a 759 OPS. 22 home runs, 76 RBIs and a 64th percentile outs above average in right field. So an above average right fielder who's going to end on probably mid to high 20s homers, close to 90 RBIs, and probably a high 700s OPS. It's exactly what you had in mind when you traded for him. Remember at the deadline, people wanted him gone. Certainly people wanted him gone early in the season. Teoscar Hernandez, to me, is the perfect example of players playing to their baseball card most all of the time. And what I mean by that is you can expect a slight downgrade because of, you know, T-Mobile Park is not a great hitter's park. You have to look at the park context. You have to look at the um, divisional context sometimes. You certainly have to look at the age of the player, where they are on that aging curve. But it wasn't hard to look at Teoscar Hernandez and say, Mariners probably getting a 260 hitter who doesn't take many walks, who's probably going to hit 20 to 30 home runs and drive in, you know, 80, 80 to 90 over the course of the season. You knew you were getting that from him. All you traded for him was a reliever. And I know Eric Swanson has been very good. And Adam Mako is a, you know, throw in in the minor leagues right now, but you still traded a reliever for him. We talked about it when we talked about the value of Paul Seawald. One reliever is not worth that much. And if you can get a an above average starter in your lineup for a reliever, you do it 100 out of 100 times. So Taylor's carrying the team. He's up to a 759 OPS, 22 home runs, 76 RBIs, above average defense in right field. He's been great. Julio? Five for 11 on the series, three runs, four RBIs, a homer, a steal. He's now hitting 281. Think about that. Julio was down in like the 230s, not that long ago. He's at 281 with an outside chance of getting to 300 on the season. 342 on base, 472 slug, 814 OPS now. 23 home runs, 84 RBIs, 35 steals, and a 99th percentile outs above average in center field. Gold Glove center fielder who's going to hit close to 30 home runs, 40 stolen bases, and has an outside chance at 100 runs and 100 RBIs. That's an MVP candidate. He's carrying the team. And I do want to shout out Josh Rojas in this series, three for 11, three runs, two RBIs, a homer, and a steal. He's he's looking good. I wouldn't say he's great. I wouldn't say he's a star. I think over the course of the year, he was an he might be an average second baseman overall when you take an offense and defense into account. Um, I don't know if I love him. I don't know if he's the the solution for 2024. I'm sure the Mariners think he is, but I'll tell you what, 
when you compare that to what the Mariners were getting out of Colton Wong, again, another master stroke by the Mariners front office to get him and Canzone and Ryan Bliss, who's hitting bombs in AAA. Whoever is criticizing them still, go ahead, keep criticizing. They know what they're doing. So Mariners being carried by JP, Julio, Teo Hernandez, obviously the pitching, but getting contributions from everyone else. I talked about Cal Raleigh on the last Mariners cast. Number two in Fangraphs War in the American League for catchers. Suarez, top defender at third. Clutch hitting. Ty Francis heated up a bit, even though he's slow as molasses. Anyone who saw him trying to score from third in this in this series, I believe it was on a, a Dominic Canzone base hit. Man, he is... My 11-year-old's faster than he is. It's bad. Um, and then, you know, you're getting contributions from Canzone, from Cade Marlowe. Like I said, Josh Rojas. The Mariners are getting contributions from everywhere, but are being carried by predominantly Teo, Julio, and J.P. Crawford getting, out, getting on in front. But super fun. This team is right. This team is poised for a very big run in the playoffs barring injury. And as I said earlier in the season, what this team needs is Julio Rodriguez to carry it and then other players to shoulder some of the load sometimes, right? Right now it's Teo and JP. There have been times where it was Cal Raleigh. There have been times where it was Eugenio Suarez. But Julio needs help, but the Mariners will go as far as Julio can take them as long as the pitching remains what it, doing what it's doing now, which I think it will. So the Oakland Athletics come to town. Oakland is 38 and 93, 36 and a half games behind the Mariners. They have a 5.74 team ERA, which is last in baseball. The Mariners have a 3.67 ERA, which is first in baseball. The A's are scoring the least runs per game in baseball at 3.63 runs per game. The Mariners, 4.82 runs per game, which, as I said earlier, is good for ninth in the major leagues. So very uneven matchup in this game. You would expect the Mariners to continue to roll in this series. Tonight's matchup is Kyle Mueller against Brian Wu. Tuesday is Ken Waldachuk against George Kirby. Obviously, the Mariners have the advantage in that matchup. I Any of my friends who play fantasy with me will laugh when they hear this, but Ken Waldachuk, despite his stats, has very good stuff and I think could lock up really any lineup at any point in time. So obviously the Mariners have a huge uh, advantage in game two of this series, but watch Ken Waldachuk. Um, he can be wild. He walks a ton of guys, but he also has dominant stuff at times. And then Zach Neal against Bryce Miller in game three. So Mariners have an advantage in pitching in all three games. Mariners are scoring over a run more than the Athletics per game. And the Mariners' ERA is more than two runs better than the A's. So they should win. The Mariners have these three games against the A's, another three games in Oakland later on. Uh, Mariners have 32 games left. After this series, they have three against the Mets in Flushing. Or in Queens, they have three in Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a game and a half out of the wild card. That park is really small. Um, 
should be an interesting series. Mariners will have the pitching advantage, but in that particular park, you want your strikeout stuff because they have power and it's a tiny park. The Mets don't have a lot to play for. They're 11 games under 500, nine games out of the wild card. They traded away Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, as we know. Um, you'd expect the Mets to not roll over. They're a professional team, but they don't really have much to play for. Cincinnati certainly does. That's going to be fun seeing probably Brandon Williamson and Noel V. Marte, uh, players who were traded by the Mariners to the Reds. Eugenio Suarez and uh, Luis Castillo coming home, or not home, but going to their previous team. The Mariners have four against Tampa in Tampa. They are 80 and 52. They are in the playoffs, basically. Uh, they had hit a pretty rough stretch in the second half. They've turned it around quite a bit. And then three against the Dodgers in Seattle. Dodgers are 80 and 49. So Dodgers series, Rays series, those aren't going to be easy. Um, certainly the, the red series, I think will be a dog fight. Uh, the Mets series, you know, they don't have anything to play for. I expect the Mariners to, to take two of three in that one. And then in division, including this three game set coming up against the A's, the Mariners have six against the A's three against the angels at home. And then three in, in Houston and seven games left against the Rangers. As long as things go according to script, realistically the American league West is going to come down to those four games in Seattle against Texas to end the T and to end the year. Um, both Texas and the Astros are a game behind the Mariners right now. Uh, no team has a real easy schedule the rest of the season. Again, I expect it to certainly come down to those last 10 games, three at Texas, three against Houston at home, four against Texas at home but could very easily come down to that last series. So realistically, the Mariners are right in it. Obviously, they are they are with, you know, leading the American League West, but sometimes those teams are fool's gold. The Mariners are not with this pitching the Mar- and superstars. The Mariners are not fool's gold. Um, I do expect the Mariners to win the division. I do expect it to be close. So Kyle Muller going for the A's tonight, left-handed starting pitcher, big guy, seven, 6'7", 250. 25 years old, was acquired by the A's in the Sean Murphy trade from the Atlanta Braves. He was a second-round pick of the Braves, 44th overall in 2016. He's been hot garbage this season. Uh, The A's had him in the rotation to start the year. All kind of the scouting and prospect reports. My report on Kyle Mueller as a Brave was that he was a back-of-the-rotation starter kind of similar results to like a Kai Bush who was traded from the Angels to the White Sox in the Giolito trade. You know, not great stuff, decent stuff, left-handed, four-seam fastball, slider, curveball, changeup, real kind of vanilla pitch mix, 93-mile-an-hour fastball, 87-mile-an-hour slider, 81-mile-an-hour curveball, Uh, but not really quality stuff and walking a ton of guys. I think because his stuff isn't great, he nibbles and he ends up walking guys and nibbles and he ends up not throwing first pitch strikes. So he made 10 starts for the A's, was sent down, has made three since overall in the majors this season, 59 in the third innings, 82 hits, 30 walks, 43 strikeouts. 
one and four with a seven two eight ERA and a one eight nine WHIP. That's horrible. Eighty six point seven percent zone contact rate. So almost five percent easier to hit Kyle Mueller's pitches that are in the zone than it is major league average. So hittable. Only fifty two point five percent first pitch strikes, which is seven and a half percent lower than league average. So reluctant to throw first pitch strikes, either that or can't. And a 20.6% whiff rate, which is almost 4% below league average. So fewer whiffs, fewer first pitch strikes, which gets him behind in the count, which forces him to throw fastballs, which are hittable. More hittable in zone than major league, most major league starters. Ace sent him down to AAA and he performed exactly the same in AAA as he had in the majors. Still a 7-plus ERA, still a 1.89 whip, still walking a ton of guys. Um, His last two outings, on the 18th against Baltimore, three and a third innings, six hits, two runs, one walk, three strikeouts. Then on the 23rd against KC, four innings, one hit, one run, two walks, three strikeouts. Just not a quality pitcher. So you take a pitcher uh, that lacks quality in Kyle Mueller, on a team that doesn't score very many runs in Seattle against a hot Mariners team. In theory, the Mariners should score a ton of runs off of Mueller and knock him out early, in theory, which would be great. You get to their bullpen, you make their bullpen work on the fir- in the first game of the series, tire them out. This all sets up for the Mariners. Brian Wu's taking them out for the Mariners, 23 years old, as you know, 1-3 at the 4-5-8 and a 1-2-2 two, two whip. Uh, about a 7% walk rate, 25% K rate. In his last start, this was his first start off of the injured list for their sore right forearm. On the 22nd, in Chicago against the White Sox, four innings, three hits, one run, one walk, three strikeouts. He threw 65 pitches. I would expect the Mariners to kind of keep him right around that 65 pitch range again, maybe increase it slightly. Uh, he threw... 30 fastballs, so almost 50% fastball, and then sinker cutter kind of evenly and then mixed in three sliders and a changeup. He has brought down his splits a bit against lefties. They're still horrendous. It's still something he's going to have to work on, um, I believe, in the offseason is coming up with uh, a different pitch or a better pitch against lefties. But still effective, 76% zone contact rate, 6% less than league average in contrast to Mueller. Um, it's hard to hit his pitches in the zone. 65% first pitch strike, so 5% better than league average, throwing a lot of strikes. 27.5% whiff rate, 12, 12.3% swinging strike rate. So all the the advanced metrics for Wu say he's quality. It's just the innings cap for him and how long can the Mariners roll him out there Um before they feel like they're putting him at risk because of uh, the lack of innings in the previous seasons because of injury. So the Mariners go against Oakland tonight. Should be a W. Um, Of course, you never know. It's baseball. Uh, Mariners have the pitching advantage in all three of these games, Tuesday and Wednesday. Mariners will have a day off on Thursday and travel to New York to take on the Mets for a three-game series over the weekend. That series should be a ton of fun. But this team is going... Well, this team is right. The offense is clicking. Julio's hitting home runs pull side. Taylor Hernandez is on fire. The pitching has been lights out. Um, 
It's a lot of fun. This is what you live for as a Mariners fan is being able to follow a team as hot as this one. It's reminiscent of how it felt down the stretch in 95. Mariners aren't chasing anymore, but similar feel, right? Similar level of excitement. In 01, it was pole to pole, but it was still a lot of fun and you wanted to watch every game. And what's reminiscent of, of 01 for me is every time the Mariners take the field, does not matter who they play, does not matter who's starting for the Mariners, you expect them to win. At this point in time, you expect them to win and you're surprised if they lose. Maybe it's the winning 24 of 30. Maybe it's the 9-1 and one in the last 10. But the pitching and the superstar make you feel like they're going to win every single game out. So, again, super fun. Enjoy it. Don't take it for granted. This doesn't happen every year. This certainly doesn't happen for every organization. I'm having a blast. There are a couple of, you know, uh, notes of caution, watching Matt Brash, making sure he's okay, watching Andres Munoz. It's been a little bit of a circus, him getting through. Um, and you need Julio to continue to to stay hot. But this has been a ton of fun. Again, this is what you live for as a Mariners fan. Uh, I'm super excited. All the homies have been texting, asking about, you know, different things. Mariners cast, uh, Mariners chances, Ty Pete hitting grand slams in back-to-back innings. Um, that low A Modesto team is loaded. If you, if you have the MILB package, go watch Modesto if you can. Uh, lots of highlights on Twitter, but that's where you can go see the future of the Mariners right there. So, again, super fun. This organization is in a great place. I'm having a blast. The team looks like they're having a blast. The homies are having a blast. Should be a lot of fun this week. Expect Mariners to stay in first. Expect some W's against the Athletics. Thank you for listening to the Mariners cast. Once again, we are presented by Sports Ethos. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20. That's T-I-N-O-J-R-2-0. And the podcast at Ethos Mariners. E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S. Take care, y'all. Enjoy your Monday. 